Hey friends, welcome to the Johnson City Living Podcast, where we learn about the people, places, events, and flavors that make Johnson City just a lovely place to live. I'm your host, Colin Johnson, with the Colin and Carly Group and Keller Williams Realty. If you're interested in buying or selling a home in the area, or if you're looking at investing in a rental property, give us a call at 423-930-8003, and we will look forward to helping you. Now, let's get to today's episode. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I am wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I am excited to have you because you're an exciting person. (laughs) I've never met you ever where you've been in a bad mood. I don't know if you get in a bad mood. Does that ever happen? I'm sure it happens. It might be a little bit more of a spunky mood. Okay. And then try to turn it back around to let's let's get back to level. Maybe just save that for your really close friends, which (laughs) which is fine. Yes. So, Johnson City Living Podcast, first thing I ask you. What do you love about Johnson City? I love the four seasons. Uh As you just said, uh, fall is probably one of my favorites. I do love the football season. I love sweatshirts. Um, Just the crisp, cool air. Yeah. But I also like the fact that we have mountains, we have scenery, and we have four seasons. And it's just beautiful to be here. It is beautiful. Every year you get surprised too. You're like, that fall is not going to be as pretty as the last one. And then the Lord just shows up and the leaves just like knock your socks off. And you're like, you did it again. The leaves are unbelievable. And, and I've done quite a bit of traveling. And so our area is just really beautiful. Like there's a lot of land that's flat or areas that just have two seasons. And, mm. and we just live in a really, if you look around, the scenery is beautiful. It really is. The Lord has blessed us for sure. Okay. So tell the audience a little bit about who you are, and where you grew up. So I grew up in Cleveland, Tennessee. Which is about three hours away. It is. two and a half if you go drive real fast towards Chattanooga. It is. It's it's about 20 20 miles outside of Chattanooga. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you used to could get there in about three hours, but the amount of people that have come into Tennessee, Knoxville is a lot busier than it used to be. So travel time can be a little slower. We've called it malfunction junction in Knoxville where the interstates collide. For years, and I think it's only getting worse. It so is. Hopefully, they'll. It took it out. me three and a half hours to get home this past weekend, and I stopped one time, and it was just Knoxville. You went to Bucky's though for an hour, didn't you? I did not. Yeah, you, I'm you not can a. Tell f- me. You can tell our friends on the podcast. I have watched lines of traffic try to get to Bucky's, and that's just not my favorite thing. I went to Bucky's <laughs> the other day. I was blown away. It's a gas station for a thousand people at once. It's just amazing. Like the whole thing, the operations uh, just. I look at the operational part of it, and I'm like, these guys have got it going on. Oh, absolutely. That's what impressed me. And the brisket sandwich was delicious. I have been told that. Yep. Um, but the traffic and people lose their mind trying to get to Bucky's is where I struggle. Yeah, yeah. So it took you three and a half hours this time because mm-hmm. of traffic. Yes. Okay, so you grew up in Cleveland. How long did you live there? I left when I was 19, and I came to ETSU. Nice. Mm-hmm. What did you get your degree in at ETSU? Business, banking. B- business. I am actually probably one of the people you know who actually got a degree in what they're doing. My, I got the uh, Bachelor's of Business Administration, and my concentration was in banking. I like it. My degree is in horticulture. I sell <laughs> houses and do podcasts. I don't, I don't, I'm not in my field. But houses have grass and plants around them. They do. So I can kind of claim that I'm still in my, in my field. <laughs> How long have you lived in Johnson City? Since 94. 94. What was that, 60 years? We can go with that. Or 30. Okay, that's good. Um, <laughs> what's your favorite thing you like to do here for fun? So my new love, um, I've been dating a guy for 
a little over a year and a half, and he has a motorcycle. Yes. So one of the things that I've been able to do is see the beauty of our area from two wheels, and it's very different. I bet. And so we, I've seen a lot of um, life around here that I've not seen before going on the secondary back roads. Mm -hmm. And so it's just been a whole new way of traveling that I've just gotten exposed to. Yeah. For some of our motorcyclists or enthusiasts that maybe listen to podcasts, where's like your favorite place to go cruising down the back road? Do you have a spot? No, because we keep changing things up. Like we, most of the time we try to go somewhere we've not been. And so most of the guys that I ride with, they've actually come from New York, upstate New York. Um, They found the motorcycle club that they joined here. And so there are so many avenues and directions that you can go and so many mom and pop restaurants that you can go eat at. Mm -hmm. So you have to get out of the Tri-Cities, but at the same time, we, we try to take different routes when we go places. Tell us about this motorcycle club. Um, there's a, it's called Southern Cruisers. Southern and Cruisers. so cool. what I say, and I, I just, as a funny, we're a group of older people who ride a motorcycle to a restaurant to eat, to ride back to the Tri-Cities. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> um, Except for the motorcycle part. <laughs> and then we also, um, we have a philanthropy, which is St. Jude's. So once a year we have a rally in June and we have, I think last year we had 130 people that registered, and so we raised money for St. Jude. And I think it was about $12,000 this year we raised. That's awesome. So you guys just get together and raise money and then mm-hmm. we, around. So we do what they call a dice run on the last Saturday of the rally, and there was, I think, 70 bikes that were in that run. And That's cool and loud. Yeah. Yes, there's different. I'll make some models of bikes. What kind of motorcycle do you cruise around on? We have, he has a Goldwing. Nice. So I have a, I have a seat and I have a microphone. I do. And I have armrest. So I just sit back and that seems very like you're in a Cadillac kind of thing. The the best thing for me is because my days are busy and I have a lot going on. I put my phone in my purse and I put it in the trunk. Yeah. And when we get on the bike, we might listen to music. We might listen to sports, but whatever's happening on in the world around me for the next hour, hour and a half, I don't know about Southern cruisers. Do they have a website or Instagram or something we can... There's, there's a website. Okay, yeah. We'll find that and put it in the show notes because that's cool. <laughs> um, you also like to go to local events, right? I do. Yeah. Um, so the chamber, I've been to the, uh, the chamber dinner several mm-hmm. years in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, with Dating Steve, who's not from the area, there's a lot of festivals that happen. And so we have gone different places. Some things I've never been to. It's the Apple Festival last year. And I had never been to the Apple Festival, been here 30 years, and I had never gone. It's crazy, isn't it? It is. Erwin, who, I mean, on a normal day has maybe 300 people that live there. There's like 15,000 <laughs> at the Apple Festival. It's crazy. Like the whole, we went last year, and all Main Street and the other side streets were just packed. It was awesome. Now, we went on a Friday night, which yeah. was probably the best time to go because of Friday night football. Hmm. So it was busy, but it was not shoulder to shoulder. They were distracted. They were watching football and not shoulder to shoulder. So because football is such a prominent sport on Friday night in our area, it, it lessened the crowd to the Apple Festival. Do you need anything fried there? Because they fry like whatever. Yeah, it, I think you can probably bring something and just fry it for you. I don't do well with fried food. No. So I did get some apples, We and we made apple crisp out of it. And then we got molasses, and we got apple butter. Oh, man. Awesome. Okay. So what is your day job? What do you do for a living? I am a senior commercial lender for First Community Bank. Cool. I like it. Um, 
And then, so let's talk about a, a day in the life for you before you go to the bank. What all are you doing? What's, what's like life for Dana Parkinson? <laughs> Let us in to the deep life of Dana. You Is might it? need a nap after this. Well, I get, I do get some stuff because you send me videos of your, your, your camera on your doorstep. And so it's fun to get some of those. But yes, we, uh, we want to hear all about you. So um, not every day, but at least three days a week, I try to go to the gym. But when my day starts, I don't know when my day is going to end. Right. Because in this field, you never know when something's going to come up and someone needs something right away. So I try to be as available as I can. Are you a morning gym person? I am. So usually by 5.30, I'm in the gym Same. three days a week. And then come back home and take about 30 minutes to just decompress and then get ready for the day. What gym do you like? I'm in gray just because it's right. I've been at the gym that's out there in gray because it's about a half a mile from my house. Yeah. So I don't have to cart stuff with me to get ready. I can go to the gym and go back to my house. Yes. Luckily, I live five minutes from the gym as well. So I had a trainer for about eight years. Um, at the, it was at DC Fit. Yeah. And he was very instrumental in me learning health. How long have, how long have you been working out, you think, like on the regular in the morning? 2014 is when there's a whole nother story about me living in Knoxville for this job and we talk about that soon but yeah. when I came back um, I had been facing some medical problems and so one of the, the doctors had told me if I would get some weight off of me having um, other medical problems it would reduce the factors yeah so I had started on that trend and then I had to take a year leave of absence for the bank because they put me on a special project and when I came back I was like I've got to get my health back in check yeah isn't it crazy, like, how good you feel after you've worked out in the morning? Yes. Like, all day long. Yeah, I mean, I kind of was like, eh, sort of not feeling it today because it was cool, but I got up, went, cranked out my hour, pushed myself, and now I'm just jazzed. I'm, like, excited and about the whole day. I'm having to do a different routine right now because I'm doing rehab on my knee, so I'm limited to what I can do. But, right. yes, I'm pushing myself differently than what I was doing before because it's all knee-focused. Yes. But for listeners, go early. Mm -hmm. This is a great way to start the day. Because then it's done. Yeah, then it's done, for sure, yeah. Um, okay, so you work out. And, and then, uh, so my, my office. office pretty early? My office is located in Kingsport. So Where in Kingsport, for our listeners? I'm on Center Street. Mm -hmm. We are a green glass, three-story, white brick building. Oh, yeah, I know it. <laughs> Say that three times. I don't think I've ever been there, but I, I know it, yeah. So we're right behind Morel Music. Yeah, and Center Street's the, the kind of one of the main drags over there. Yes. Yeah, and that's pretty. And there, King Sports downtown is awesome. It's very busy, yes. It's very busy. They've got a lot going on. It's a lot like Johnson City's downtown. There's, there there bigger, needs to be some, it's bigger, but there is some restoration work that needs to happen in Kingsport. I think Johnson City's kind of a step ahead of Kingsport. Because mm -hmm. Kingsport kind of goes quiet after about 4.30, whereas Johnson City, I think, still stays yeah. pretty active till later in the evening. But you travel a lot. You're not in the office all the time. I am not. So we lent out to 325 miles. 325 miles. And that includes states that touch Tennessee. So, it, you know, it's not just... So you're in the car a little bit. I am. Um, and I have properties in Nashville. I have, I'm working on with the customer right now in Macon, Georgia. I have stuff in Knoxville, Gatlinburg, Asheville. So it's... That's awesome. And I try to go to all my closings. Yeah. Now, not... With, with everything now, electronic being a little bit more... Um, acceptable after COVID. Sure. There is a lot of mail away stuff that happens now versus what it used to, mm -hmm. but I get more comments by realtors and by lawyers that are just shocked that I show up. 
Yeah. And it's just being a little different, right? Going the extra mile. Yes. I like so it. I like to go to my closings because there's a conversation. There's a question. I like to be there so I can answer it. I want my customers to know that they're important to me. So yeah. we, we attend our closings. That's part of our community bank. We fight being a community bank because we don't have all the opportunities that some of the bigger banks have and some of the resources. Right. Um, and so we try to, customer service is what we have to lean on. Well, let's talk about the bank. What, tell, me, tell the listeners the name of the bank again and like the history a little bit about it. So the full name is First Community Bank of East Tennessee. And why that is important is we are based out of Rogersville. Okay, which is East Tennessee. Right. But there's also a First Community Bank in Johnson City that is based out of Bluefield, Virginia. And so there is some confusion from time to time as to First Community Bank is not First Community Bank. <laughs> How many times have people shown up at that bank and like, hey, I need to talk to Dana and she's not here. What's the deal? Like, yes. Does that uh, happen frequently? Yes. Yeah. We, get, we get customers, our customers go to their branch, their customers come to our branch. Gotcha. And they're like, no, you're down the road. So when I first started banking here in Johnson City, um, I was at People's Community Bank, okay. which was on Sunset. Yep. And People's Community Bank got bought out by First Community Bank NA of Bluefield, Virginia. And in two years, they consolidated the role that I had with a bunch of different operation centers because they had bought so many different banks. Gotcha. They had not consolidated what they had. Um, so I lost my job to First Community Bank, and I got a job with First Community Bank, but they weren't the same bank. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. The Lord's got a plan, right? <laughs> I, didn't have to read, I didn't have to learn my uh, telephone speech. So if there's a new First Community Bank that opens up, watch out. You may be working. <laughs> or you may be open on your own First Community Bank. So what was your first job you started doing before you got into the banking deal? So um, at 13, I babysat um, a lot for my church. Mm. So I would, like, vacation Bible school Sundays. Um, there was practices, choir practice, handball practice. And so I was always in the nursery. Um, and then it branched out to Sunday school classes that had the age group where they all had smaller children. They literally, I had a calendar and they would call me and say, when can we go on a date? And I would give them the days that I was open. And so I, I babysat about five or six days a week. Oh, that's awesome. And then you moved into telling? You got a job as a teller, is that right? So I worked for a friend. Her dad had an office. And so I was kind of the whatever need to be done, somebody need to run to the mailbox or post office, somebody need to run the store. I just, he, I think he just gave me a job just to help me out, just yeah. to do something. So I worked with him for a little while, and then a lady at my church, her name was Jana Martin at the time, she asked me if I wanted to become a bank teller because she and I always did finances together in our youth group. Mm -hmm. So her husband was the Methodist minister over the youth, and she was always a part of the youth group as well. And so I was like, sure, why not? So my dad worked in a factory called Bowater, and they would hire you if you were a college student, and you made really good money at that time. So that's what I thought I was going to do, and um, I was told no. So I ended up applying at the bank, <laughs> and I got the job as a summer Christmas floating teller. Is that where you fell in love with banking? You're like, I'm going to go to get my degree in that? Or? I enjoyed what I did because I enjoyed people. Right. And I was, I mean, as far as if you can count money, then I, was, I did okay with that part. So. Yeah. I didn't get in trouble, and every year I kept coming back, which helped the bank out because they didn't have to find a new person, train a new person, and I would come back at Christmas time and offer, I'd say, I'm back in town, and they'd say, come to the bank, so I would literally come back on a Friday, and I would start back with the bank on Monday, and so I did that for four of the years of going back after school was out. I would go back home, and I would work at the bank, and then I would come back. That's awesome. So talking about how doors open, 
Jana actually, her husband got moved to Irwin with the Methodist ministry. And so she had left the bank and started her own company and asked me if I wanted to learn lending. So second, in the second round with Jana, I learned loans. And so we worked at People's Community Bank as a contract. That's cool. And when I was graduating, they had a lady that was leaving their operations department. And so one of the senior uh, vice presidents was talking to me. And after I left his office, I was like, I think I was in an interview. And they hired me. Look at that. So she was probably one of the most influential people. that. Absolutely. And so what's really neat now is the state of Tennessee has the Tennessee's Bankers Association. And so they have different or, or different um like we'll have webinars and they'll have seminars and then they'll have different conferences. And so as I have grown up through my lending career, I have run into her multiple times at some of these different events. And so it's really odd to, to learn from somebody who got you where you are, but now you're doing the same thing or you're in similar, similar roles. That's cool. What do you wish you had known, well, however many, 29 years ago, <laughs> whenever, how long you've been a lender, but you, you wish you'd known then that you could pass on to somebody who's getting into it now, maybe. Well, what I, I am what they call a dying breed. Because I started on the teller line, and then when I went into loan operations, I saw the paperwork done. Mm -hmm. Now I've gone into lending, and I'm seeing it where you get the paperwork completed. Mm -hmm. um, so, but coming from the teller background, I have both sides of the bank. Right. So when my customers have issues with their deposit side, most of it I can help with. Sure. Um, so you lose when someone comes into the banking and they go straight into one role, that's their expertise, but they may be missing some of the other components of banking. Mm -hmm. So I, can, I feel like I'm more of a relationship manager because I've been in the banking industry so long and I've done so many different roles. And even before I started lending and I was in operations, there was a point in time where we had someone that retired out and they put me in his role. So there was like a year that I held on to about four different jobs at one time. So it was feast or famine, which is fine. Did you tell people to say no, maybe? <laughs> so, you know, it was, it was managing a bunch of stuff at one time, um, but it, I also learned more departments of the bank. So that, I think, is the, the, the sad part about today or hard part about today is people go in and they learn that specific piece. Right, they've got the blinders on and it's just one thing. And, that, you know, there is the do one thing well philosophy, right? Become but, a master at the one little thing that you do. But I think having the knowledge and like you're cross-trained across the board, you could even open the bank and get it rolling if nobody showed up tomorrow probably and, and do the whole deal. So I think there's some definite value there. Well, and you have individuals that are retiring out now and they will tell you they started as a teller or they started doing the notes for the loan department mm -hmm. or they were in proof. Like, you know, they started at the bottom and they went through different departments and just learned the entire industry. And yeah. so... I think it makes a little bit of difference on the relationship side. Yeah, for sure. Well, I will say you are a tremendous connector and relationship manager person. I mean, we, you know, you've helped us out a, a bunch, and Carly and I are just super grateful, and we thank you for that. And so, yeah, like connect with Dana. We'll give you her info on the thing, but um, I think you do a great job of that, and it's what makes business work. I mean, you have to be able to relate and talk to people and get to know them so you can know how to help them best. And so I think a lot of, it seems like you'll call some banks and they're just like, you know, give us your information and we'll give you a quote. And that's all we care about is, you know, can we do it? And you go ask the, the more deeper questions. Well, why are we doing that? And where are we going to go? And how long is this going to go? You know, so, um, yeah. So talk about, um, I guess, from some of the things that you guys offer as a small bank. 
um, that um, maybe some of the bigger stuff can't can't handle. Like beside, I mean, I guess relationships number one, and then um, you probably know a lot of your customers, right? And where do you see banking going in the future? So. Oh. Let's go back to the first of the yep, three questions. Sorry, I, I gave you like 17 <laughs> questions at once. Okay. So let me just start out by saying um, First Community Bank is a member of FDIC. We are an equal housing lender, so I can I get the basics in there. Yes, um, and your ML, NL, N, MNLS <laughs> number is 1456005. Yes, it is. And she can close residential mortgages. We I, have to say that for the government <laughs> and the bank. We don't want to get anybody in trouble. So now that we're all <laughs> compliant, let's make sure that we can tell your the audience what you can do for them. So on some level without giving out rates, and I mean you got to get into it with her deeply when you get together. But so as any institution, we have checking, saving, CD. We have lending products from the consumer products to the commercial products, and we have a financial service. And we have an individual that does a dual role, so she works for an investment company, but she also works for the bank. So gotcha. she's she's got dual employment. Yeah. So, you know, like you said, what are something what are um, something that the bigger banks might offer? Well, they may have an actual financial services department. Right. So we have an individual. So we try to meet the needs of our customer. We just do it on a different scale. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so what was the other questions in there? <laughs> Where do we see well, banking going? Yeah, like, I mean, I see lots of online banking stuff mm -hmm. happening. You see a lot of people going to mobile banking and... Mm -hmm. I'm old school. I love going in and seeing the tellers, and I mean, I know all their names at the bank I go to, and they know me, and it's just a, I like the relationship part of it, but it feels like to me um, that that's disappearing. Is that something that you kind of see in the future? I, I do believe that brick and mortar is going to either reduce in size. You'll see banks that will reduce their brick and mortar footprint because the mobile banking, and, and individuals are in such a fast-paced world now, let me go online, let me transfer my money, let me make a mobile deposit. And they never left their car, they never left their house. Um, for some people, their lifestyle, that is what they need. Yeah. Um, on, for other people, they need to be able to walk in and say, I need to get a cashier's check. And, and the person on the other side of the teller line know who they are. Right. Yeah, I mean, I do that frequently. And they're like, okay, here you go. So, you know, in my world, I'll have somebody that will call me or text me and say, hey, I'm coming to the bank. This is what I need. I try to get it ready for them if I'm there so that when they come to the bank, even though they're still coming in, their time spent in the bank is minimal because we want them to be able to get what they need and go on with their day. Say you're like on an ally or one of these only online banks. How do you even get a cashier's check? I'm not sure. <laughs> you would have to do a wire. I get, yeah, but then if you're like trying to buy a car at a small car dealership or something, you'd have to get, I don't even know how you do it. Like, because they want a cashier's check, you know. And you, You'd have to go the route of the electronic transfer, which would be the wire. Yeah, and then say so you'd have to go to their bank with the guy, mm -hmm. and he's like, I don't know if I want, you know. It makes life a lot more complicated. I, I do think you're going to have to have brick and mortar. Yeah. At, at, it may be a smaller footprint. Well, I hope order. so because I still see banks being built all the time. Right. Like you're like, what's that going to be? Oh, another bank. So. so now you've got the interactive teller machines where they are open longer hours and you might have someone like out in California who is talking to you, which gives an advantage of having different hours. Right. Um, we do not have the interactive teller machines. I don't know if that's in our future, but something like that is a very costly piece. Sure. So once again, we go back to customer service. This is what... We try to do the best for our customers from a, a human perspective and a customer perspective. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the program that we've taken advantage of. It's called the Casual Investor Program. Okay. 
Yeah, tell us all about, tell our list lender, or listeners about that from our lender. Bye, bye, bye. So the bank designed a program called the Casual Investor Program, and it was designed to help individuals who want residual income. So they have some other source of income, but they want to add something else for their family. Mm-hmm. So we designed the program so that you only have to put 15% down. And so 15% this, down. So this being an investment product, that's huge because that means there's more money left in your pocket yeah. versus a standard 20% down right. plus closing cost. And then we amortize it out over 30 years, which makes the payment lower. Yep. So for those that are trying to build cash flow, if you're only having to put, if you're doing a 30-year amortization, yes, that's, that almost mirrors a mortgage, but the cash flow comes in and you get to keep more of it yeah. to get to your second property. And so it's designed that you get two properties going, then you've got more cash flow coming in to get you to your third property. Yeah. And as of right now, we allow 10 mm-hmm. renters or 10 doors, 10 and, doors. I, and I try to make that very specific, that's not facilities. Right. So a house condo, we count as one, a duplex is two, a triplex is three. If someone has zero properties and they found a four-unit apartment complex, that would fit in our program. Or a tenplex. And that, right. That would be it. It's as long as they had nothing else. Yeah. Now, if you already have rental property, and even if it's not financed with a bank, or even if it doesn't have a loan on it, we still count that. Right. So our, our point of casual investor is you are under that number to 10. Yeah, 10 doors. And once you get to 11, then you're an investor. Yeah. So for the compliance piece, I also have to say that it has to be approved. There are requirements and stipulations that do apply, and not all states, um, because we have our radius, so this would not apply in all states. Ah, yes, that's right, because you go 378. <laughs> 325. Oh, 325. <laughs> so, you know, you do have to be approved for the loan. It is subject to approval. There are some stipulations that go with the program. And when we talk about the website, the casual investor has a, oh, its own page that's dedicated to what um, what products are allowed in this program. Yeah. We do have a 10-year maturity in it, so that yeah. does mean at 10 years there is a balloon balance or a payment due. And typically we refinance at that. And this is what I tell somebody. I cannot promise a refinance or I get in trouble. Uh-huh. But I do say that if, fin- typically. As, if <laughs> financials are the same or better, then the typical practice of the bank would be to work with that balance. If the financials are different, we're probably having a different conversation. Right. Like if you've lost your job or you're not making as much money as you were when you originally started the deal, even though you made the payments the whole time. And if, you know, it just, just depends on the circumstance yeah, at that everybody's time. everybody's different and the times are different and the rates change and, you know, it's all in flux all the time. Yes. So you just got to But I um, pray about it and make sure. So when I started lending, the casual investor program had been with the bank a couple of years and we had several houses in it. But I started with a networking group mm-hmm. called Integrity. Mm-hmm. And so this was a product that was easy for me to sell because it was very relatable to the individuals in my networking group. Yeah. And so I think it's relatable to everybody. Well, when you're a commercial lender and you tell people I loan on strip centers or, you know, Malls. big box stores. Yeah, we can do that. It, it's not necessarily that they don't understand what my role is, but it's very hard to meet the people that you're trying to help somebody when you're yeah. a networking group. Right. Commercial makes it, yeah, kind of feel like you're you're not able to help them because right. just, oh, we're just small potatoes or whatever. Or for some people, uh, when you say I close a million dollar deal, that's that's above what they're they understand. Right. They're like, oh wow. So this when you new. when you stay in the one to four family, it's much more relatable, and I've had much more success with the networking group and going out to individuals and real estate agents with this program being able going out and promoting it. Yeah, I think it's a great 
Anything else that you offer that you want to share? There, we have a couple caveats with the casual investor program. So if you find a property and it needs some updating or some rehab work or a new roof or a new HVAC, we have an add-on program that's called rehab. And so we'll work with the customer. And, and once again, there's stipulations that do apply to that. But there is a way that we can help with some of the funds for the rehab. Gotcha. So you don't have to come out of pocket with your 15% down your closing and the rehab. Yeah. Now, if you want to talk to investors too, I mean, you're a great just bigger commercial lender too, right? And you guys probably can connect on any project that you're looking at. So I like multifamily. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm learning construction lending. That was because I was doing a lot of this, the investment stuff. I did the rehab work, which is a small version of construction. Right. But um, now that I'm on the commercial side, we, I do have a couple of construction projects going on. I do have a couple of requests for a few more. So construction lending is um, a little bit different than just, purchasing something that's already there and putting a term limit on it. So there's a lot of moving components to construction. Yeah. Um, and I do have some customers that like the franchise. They like buying into a franchise because it's already set up. It's set up. It's already a, usually it's a national franchise. It comes with its name already. So, you know, there's, there's different components that go with that. So I enjoy doing those as well. That's cool. Yeah. I think franchising is just something that's a neat concept that, You'd want to be the franchise or, you know, like you want to be the guy like saying, hey, you need to buy this McDonald's and, you know, kind of do that. And, and you know, franchise can be something very simple and small and something very large. A mm -hmm. big box store, it could be a small coffee shop. I mean, yeah. you know, there's so many out there now that are available. And I think the idea of that is great because, yeah, you just walk in and you have all the systems and stuff. And somebody's done all the heavy lifting for you and you get to just kind of pay for that, mm -hmm. obviously. But you walk into a, a already running business that's got... A good established um, I mean the good and the bad is if you go into a franchise you have everything laid out but you don't get to make changes right if it's yours there's the risk of opening up a small business for yourself yeah. but you get to make all the decisions so it, you know both of them have different risks but both of them are very obtainable Ooh, I got a quick question what do you think it's like something good that somebody could open in our area that you haven't seen or financed lately or heard of you know like you know, in our area that you see in other areas, maybe. Oh, I don't even know. I'd have to think on that one. Is there I something wanna, that... I want somebody to bring a core life restaurant here. It's like all this super healthy stuff. They have one in oh. Greenville, South Carolina. Okay, I haven't seen that one. Delicious. Holy smokes, it's good. Yeah, that would I would be for that. Yeah, it's so good. And we just had um, Nikki Giles on here last week with the Groovy Grovers, and they do salads over here off of Walnut Street, and they're all super healthy. Carly and I went there the other night, and it was good. So if you want a healthy salad, go to West Walnut Street. It's awesome. Well, going back to the health, there's a lot of um, really good food out there that I just can't take. They don't work with me. Agree with me. Yeah, I agree. And it's interesting how sometimes it will agree with you, and sometimes it doesn't. And as we age... I'm learning that some things don't agree with me either. Uh, well, I had been sick for about 18 months off and on, and so one of the suggestions of one of the healthcare providers I was working with was to eliminate red meat and see if it makes a difference. Yeah. And I haven't been sick since. Isn't that crazy? And then you have some people who are like, I'm going straight red meat, and they just look yeah. amazing, and their body fat's lean, and anyway. So, you know, we're just, we're all built very different, but that was a huge um, change for me, but at the same time, I enjoy a good hamburger, good steak, but it's not worth being sick. Yes, no, for sure, because you've had a lot of health struggles. What are some other challenges you've had in your work life besides, I mean, we know 
health wise some stuff you've been going through but you've done some crazy stuff in your life a little <laughs> bit so tell us tell the listeners a little bit about when you went down to knoxville so um Tyler Clinch is our CEO president. She came to me and asked me if I would help the bank with a project. And I said yes before I knew what the project was. And we were in the middle of, um, we had a loan in Knoxville and we knew that there were some issues and we were trying to work through them. But she was trying to come up with plan B. And plan B was if we end up foreclosing on the hotel. And so she really wanted someone in Knoxville to be a part of the process instead of having someone running the hotel for us and us right. getting phone calls. Right. So I said yes, and it actually fast-tracked because the operator actually ended up turning over the keys. So instead of going through the foreclosure process and knowing that in 30 days, you know, we'd be on the courthouse steps and then we would own it, they basically said, here's the keys, it's yours. <laughs> so I had never owned my own business. I had never <coughs> run my own business. I had always been in the bank. So... You know, you walk in and now it's it's your responsibility, but it's not yours because we still had to wait 30 days to go through the foreclosure process sure. on the courthouse steps to actually own it. Yeah. Well, you can't sign a contract. Nope. So you... You don't own the property. I don't own the property. So we're You're having... now running it. Sort of. Quasi. Right. So me and the internet provider and TV provider had a lot of words um, because I was like, I will pay for services I'm using. And because they had filed bankruptcy, all of the prior contracts were they under the bankruptcy. Yeah, they want to cancel all that. So I was like, I can pay you if you can figure out how to bill me. Sure. But they just kept wanting to turn me off. Maybe you just had the <laughs> biggest personal <laughs> TV account ever. <laughs> Dana, wow. So, you know, it was just that, like stuff like that was the was beginning of the challenges. Yeah. Um, so finally... you had a lot of employees, too, probably going, what's going on? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, when we walked in, you had the hotel employees that don't have to have a job or not. Right, so they basically had to reapply, and we had to start with new paperwork and get everybody... Compliant. And those that wanted to stay, stayed, and those that didn't went. So you weed out in that situation. Yeah. We had a management company that ran the flag. So as a banker, I couldn't run the flag because I didn't have the proper training. Yep. Um, but there's a huge... Um, hotel industry or a hotelier in Knoxville that they help run multiple flags. So they, we hired them and they helped us. At the same time, they had a construction company that knew how to run a construction company in a hotel. Right. Because you've got to be sensitive to guests and they yeah, don't get up hammer at... drilling at 2 a.m. Correct. Or at 8 a.m. Or at 8 a.m. So um, I call this a blessing. The two companies together, they all knew I didn't have a clue what I was doing. <laughs> And they all worked with me to help me and the bank. And there were times I could have been told I needed to do something or I needed to spend this money on this, and I didn't get taken advantage of. That's good. There were, there were many blessings. Um, I learned a lot about the structure of a building. I learned what an architect does. I learned what the contractor does. I learned when things aren't done right. Um, we had some issues that had to be worked through, and it was just a huge eye-opening experience. And then once we owned it, then here came in every health inspector, all kinds of people that when you start opening a business and you start um, getting your license, all these people come in to do all these verifications and checks. And we had a kitchen and we had a pool. So you start writing checks to all these people as they come walking through the door. So it just, it was very overwhelming. What was the one thing you learned like out of that craziness that like you felt like you helped you grow? You can do anything. Yeah. Now, when I say that, 
I'm not going to go do surgery on somebody. Those are specialties. But if you are a person who is... But on that vein, you could say, I'm going to get out of banking. I'm going to go to med school. I'm going to go back to school, mm -hmm. get my prerequisites. I'm going to go to med school. I'm going to become a surgeon. You can literally do it right. if you wanted. Let's, let's take the specialty trades out like yeah. that. Sure. If you are in a situation right now and you don't enjoy what you're doing or you're, you're, you're struggling with, is it time to learn something new? If you choose to learn it, you'll figure it out. Agreed, yeah. And it's amazing when doors open, opportunities open, and people are standing there that help you through that process. Yeah. I think the Lord puts people in our paths to help us all the time. Absolutely. And you can take advantage of that and follow through, or you can let fear mm -hmm. overcome you potentially is probably the main one, or stress, mm -hmm. or whatever. And you say, I can't do it, I'm, mm -hmm. you know, and you and you choose not to go that path. But I think I fear, you probably were like, I, didn't I don't have know to, if I want to do it. I didn't have time for fear. Right. <laughs> I did not have time for fear because when I we... I like my job, and they're asking me to do this. And, well, when we started, I think our conversation was about December, and so then it was like, you know, there was that kind of, am I going, am I saying, am I going, am I saying? And then it was like, oh, we're going. Okay. Did you live in the hotel? Mm -hmm. So you were there for a whole year? With okay. my dog. Aww. So you I drove... Do what? Do you go back to the hotel? Um, I pass it because it's right off the not the um, interstate in Knoxville. Gotcha. I would leave on Monday morning like I was going to work, and I would drive to Knoxville, and then I left on Friday afternoon and would drive back and go to my house and spend two days doing all the things I hadn't done. Right. So it was... It oh, was man, that's a haul. That's a lot of work. And, it, you know, I wouldn't... There's, there's a statement. If I knew what I was going to be doing, would I have done it? The answer is probably yes. It was a lot of work. It was a lot of hard work. But at the end of the day, now that I'm in this job, mm -hmm. there's a lot that I learned out of the hotel experience that has gone with me. And the grit. Like, it, you, you, you did something that not a lot of people have done, right? And you, and you didn't mail at the start, didn't believe you could do it. But working 80 hours a week during a five-day week, you know, like, it taught you that you can do a lot mm -hmm. of stuff. And then you're like, oh, well, today's a 10-hour day. It's not, you know, that's not a big deal. Like, I can handle that. And on top of it, I left a role that I was supposed to be in, in the, at the bank. Right. I, was, I was in the loan admin compliance role. Yeah. So they backfilled that role with another lady. So my job there really wasn't 100% in somebody else's hands. Right. It was about 60%. So like, hey, I got to do this. So I would have emails from her that in the evening time I would go through and help her with what she needed to know. <laughs> and then, my, you know, get up the next day yeah. and do pool and, and do hotel stuff. And then, you know, in the evening time go back and, and help her with stuff. So I didn't just walk away from that job either. Yeah. But I think I, people in the hospitality industry are unsung, unsung heroes. Like they don't, you don't realize that a hotel is operating 24-7, never stops. And you just, and it's a ton of work. And you just kind of roll in, you check in, you check out. You're like, oh, okay. But there's, I mean, there's a lot to a hotel. The, the, the one thing that I was naive to, I was standing near the counter and a guest called and somebody answered the phone. And so I'm hearing a conversation that tells me something in the room is not working. And so the lady at the counter says, will you take the back off the remote? And she said, we'll bring you some. And so the batteries were gone. And she said, oh, we lose batteries daily because people take the batteries out of the remote control, take them home with them. Now, you know Kleenex goes home. You know the little shampoo bottles go, the lotion bottles. Towels. Towels. But batteries. Batteries. And you just paid $100. <laughs> it's like, that's crazy. And it just, it just, 
you know, I guess I'm naive to... I, They're like, well, I bought the batteries in the remote for the night as well, and I'm going to take them with me. Yes. That's just crazy. So, so, you know, that was probably one of the my naive moments of, like, people take batteries out of the That's remotes. nuts. That's nuts. <laughs> what are you uh, currently most interested in or something you're working on? So, what I am working on... I'm, I kind of laugh on this question. So for the last six years, because of COVID, I have been in school. So this is the first time since May, I graduated in May of 2023 from the second school, that I have not had school on my plate. So You're like, what do I do with all this free time? Well, I don't really have extra free time because my role changed after coming out of school, but it's almost really, really nice to just have a few months to focus on my job now 100% right. versus trying to allocate between my job and school. Gotcha. So when I came back from the hotel is when I got, the Tyler again came to me and said, I have another opportunity for you. And we had a lady that was retiring out, which was a commercial lender. And so after being in a hotel and being on my feet for eight, 10 hours a day, I didn't want to go back and sit in a chair. Gotcha. I had learned that. Gotcha. So when this opportunity came about, I knew that lending you are in your office some, you are in the car a lot, but you're also out. So right, it's not just, meeting with clients, yeah. yes, so it's got multiple, it's got different stresses with it, but it's got different layers to it. And so when that was offered, I said yes. And so then after about a year, and she came back to me and, and wanted to make sure I was going to be in the role, and I was, she said, do you want to be groomed for executive management or senior management, or do you want to stay doing what you're doing? And I was like, well, I've not said no, so why stop right, now? Right. So um, in the banking industry, we have what's called Graduate School of Banking, and there's about five or six in the United States. And so I chose SMU in Dallas, Texas, and it was a 26-month-long program, except we had COVID in the middle of our program, so it got extended 12 months. And so then we stopped school, and then we started all the PPP stuff, and then went back to school. So when I graduated from SMU, that was when I got promoted from a vice president to a senior vice president and senior commercial lender. Nice. And then um, I ended up with a new boss. Uh, my, when I had been at the bank, um, one of our, he was an executive vice president, he retired out. And so we brought in Mike Estes. And so Mike had asked me if I went to the Southeastern Commercial Lending School out in Nashville. And I had not been to it. So he said, I want you to go to it. So there was another two-year program. So I total was in school for five years, but it was a six-year span because of COVID. Crazy. <laughs> Where do you feel like that growth mindset came from? Like, I want to learn more and grow. And I don't. Is that something your parents passed on to you? My dad always. My dad was the one that worked in the family, and my dad always said, "You have to take care of you." Hmm. No one. I mean, you hope you to have a life with someone else to spend it with, but at the end yeah. of the day, you are responsible for you. Yeah. And I don't know how to say no. If there's a challenge, let's let's, let's do it. Let's, let's take the challenge and go. Um. So it's really nice to have a few months where I don't have another layer of something on top of the already busy day that I have with school, with work, because when I was at SMU, the workload was a lot of papers and a lot of research, mm -hmm. which was another challenge because I was not, I had not written a lot of papers in school. Yeah. But I also had about 125 customers or 115 customers. So I didn't get an opportunity during the day. Right. It was all on the weekends and at night. Yeah. Well, good for you, pushing forward and continuing to learn and grow yourself and taking care of you. So I did a Facebook post after I graduated from SMU, and it said, because I said yes. Hmm. And it goes through how many times I said yes to put myself in a situation that was out of my comfort zone. Yeah. 
to learn something new, to get to the next place where I said yes. And so it, it, none of it was handed to me. Right. I worked for, I worked a lot to get it. Well, right, you, you worked your tail off to get to those opportunities where you had the opportunity mm -hmm. to say yes. Because um, not everybody, they don't just offer stuff to people because you show up every day. It's, you gotta go above and beyond, above and beyond. you gotta push yourself. And you know, if you're working for somebody, you wanna see you, that person you're responsible to wants you to perform at a high level. And right. If you go above and beyond all the time, then they want you to excel. They're going to continue to push you. So you'll probably be running the whole bank at some point, it sounds like. So I don't know that I want that role because there's <laughs> a lot of responsibility. But There's a lot of responsibility. I have a lot of responsibility as a senior vice president, and so I'm... I'm sure. I, I'm, I'm good where I'm at, and I'm learning this role. But I've only been a, a senior commercial lender for about a year and a half now. Got so... It. You know, it's taken some transition because I was so focused in on the casual investor program yeah. that that's not my role now. So we've had to make a lot of adjustments. And so that has taken some time and some adjusting to do. Well, hopefully it'll all sort itself out and you'll get back in a great rhythm. And you continue to take great care of us, for sure, and <laughs> other people. I don't know how you do it all. Um, okay, wrapping up. Anything like you've listened to or anything recently? I know you brought Blue Ocean Strategy, which I've heard wonderful things about. Um, anything else you, you've read or want to share about? The Blue Ocean strategy is, it was brought to my attention at school in Nashville. Yeah. And so what I learned from the book is sales, you can keep doing the same thing over and over and get results, or you can expand how you do sales and get different results. And so I got introduced to the COI method, which I came out of a role that was in a back office. I wasn't a lender my entire life. And so having centers of influence who know who you are and who have like colleagues, like friends, investors. You know, when you have people that know you and you come to mind first off, then that's, those relationships are the one you build yeah. because then those relationships build for you. Right. And so you can cold call, you can reach out to individuals you don't know. And, you know, statistics say it takes eight or 10 calls before someone will give you a chance. Right. So if you have those centers of influence, it just makes a world of difference of the warm introduction and, yeah. and the level that somebody all of a sudden, instead of you just being a person who called, now you're somebody because this person recommended you or this person gave them their story with you. Okay. So so the book has a lot of methodology of how to change your thinking. I love it. Yeah, and I, I agree. And I think taking good care of people is going to allow them to be those warm referrals. Carly and I are just so lucky to have so many people that refer us all the time and because we just love our clients, so we want to take great care of them, and I think that translates, and so it's a huge blessing. So. But you also ask for the business. You got to. I right. have never been around you when you have not asked for the business or told me good things going for you, yeah. and there are so many people that are afraid to ask. Yeah, you got to ask, for sure. You got to ask, and you got to, yeah, do you want to buy this book? Do you want to buy this car? Do you want, who do you know that needs a car, you know, or whatever. In our business, it's houses. Who do you know that needs to buy or sell or invest in real estate. I've got an awesome commercial lender that will help you, you know, get going on your first commercial property or your 10th or whatever, you know. So um, you got to ask for business all yes. the time. So thank you for that nice comment. I try. <laughs> That's my job, right? If I don't do that, I don't, my job take, too. I don't take care of my wife and my family and our team and it just, yeah. So, and that's why I do this because I want to bring people in and, you know, help them grow their business and then turn it. We'll get some referrals potentially out of anything I forgot to ask you on the podcast as we wrap it up. I don't. No. 
The one thing that I would say to anyone who is listening that may be young in their career mm -hmm. is you are your own advocate. Mm. And so when Dr. White was at ETSU, I used to do a, different things with him in his banking classes. And so I would always say, if you don't ask, no one knows. If there is a job opportunity that may not be the end job that you want, but it's a step to a new job that you could get to, mm -hmm. apply for it. Yeah. Because that tells your management team, oh, they're interested. Right. If you sit back and you hope someone will notice you, they will eventually, I hope, but it may take a lot longer. Right. So no one can be an advocate for you except for you. Yeah. Again, coming back to your dad. Saying, you got to take care of you. So, yeah. Go ask for that promotion or go ask for that opportunity. Or say, I would love to learn this, but then... You know, at some point, I would like to get to this. Yeah, and there may be a little pain involved, like you may have to go back to school and get that done, and that wasn't fun, but you did it, and they're, you know, it's growing on the backside for you. We have a, a guy that's been with us a couple of years, and he's in our underwriting department, so he looks at tax returns and financials all day long, came out of school, and, you know, he has said that he enjoys this part of it because he's learning a big piece of what he needs to know, but his ultimate goal is he would love to be a lender one day. Yeah. So he has put that information out there, and he said, if I need to go to school, I'm not afraid to. So he's, you know, he's already planting seeds right. with the bank to say, here's this is a, this is I want to go, and I'm going to do that, and I can do that with you. And this, you know, and the, and the, the piece I'm learning right now is very necessary, yeah. and he's in a very critical role to lending. Sure. Um, but he's also said that at some point, I want to do more. I want to do something different. Right. That's awesome. So he was an advocate for himself. All right. One more time. How can our listeners connect with you? So we do have a website. That's good. <laughs> yes, it is. If you, with banking being electronic, um, we are fcbanktn.bank. Yep. We are also on Facebook. We're on Instagram. On the Insta. Nice. Um, but if you do go to the website, um, or you can Google First Community Bank Rogersville, mm -hmm. and you will find us. Because if you Google First Community Bank, there's a thousand of them. And within that page, there is Meet Our Lenders. And I'm under the retail side, and I'm under the commercial side, gotcha. so I'm in there several times. Um, if you've heard about the Casual Investor Program, and you say, I want to see some of the details, there is one tab under the loan section that is just Casual Investor. And even within that, there are two different blue options. One says, I have questions, and one says, I want an application. Gotcha. When you click that button, there's a, a drop-down box that comes in that says, please put your email address in, and then, like, your question. Right. And so what that does is that shoots an email out to all of our retail lenders. And so we have it in the Somebody's bank. Somebody's going to get in contact with you. Right. So someone claims the request, and then they reach back out to and you. And you're not going to get spammed by all kinds of crazy people by putting mm -mm. your email in. So, you know, the, and there's a lot of good information out there on the Casual Investor Program and some of the details to what the program will allow and yeah. won't. And if you're looking to invest in real estate, you call me and then we, yes. the, after you get pre-qualified, <laughs> that's probably the better thing to do, right, on the front end. And it takes about 30 to 45 days to close it. And so anyway, last question. What gets you fired up? Ooh. What fires you up, Dana? People. So I, I, I am a social media person, um, and when I started, like I said, as the Casual Investor Program started opening up, and I started, I really started learning what I was doing for people. Um, when you see someone post that they got their first house, or I got number three, um, and you just see the smile on their face, and you talk to people who had fear, mm -hmm. was, you know, do I want to do this, do I not, do I want to do this, mm -hmm. do I not? And then they finally decide, I'm going to try, we're going to get our first house, we're going to see how it goes, 
We don't want to buy it off more than we can chew. You know, you hear all the concerns, which if you're going to be an investor, you've got to be smart about what you do. But then it's really funny to see, like, it takes somebody six months or eight months to, to decide, okay, I'm finally going to bite the bullet. We're going to get a house. But the next one comes along in, like, three months. Yeah. It's crazy. Or it comes along in two months. And so I love to know, my, I love to get to know my customers. And when I know that a customer wants to do something and they have hopes or they have dreams or they have goals or they want their family at some point to not be as W-2 dependent, they would like to have the residual income and build their wealth so that they can have a little bit more freedom in life. And you start seeing that unfold yeah. and you start seeing the smiles that are on people's faces. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I enjoy. I enjoy people. Yeah. And helping them build wealth um, through real estate. It's the number one wealth driver in America. Like if you look at the statistics between renters and homeowners, it's dramatically different, like dramatically different. So we'd love to help as many people become homeowners or multiple homeowners as possible Um, because it can change a whole story for a whole family. You know. Well, when I changed roles, one of the things that we did was we kind of shifted some of my uh, customer base because we have four other ladies in the bank that, that are focused on the casual investor program and they do the retail lending. So they do more of the mortgages and the consumer side. Um, And so I started counting and I had about 60 or 70% of my customers were active, which means they were always doing something. They were always looking for a new property. They were always... Which is a great book of business, right? I mean, that's turning over a lot of people. The last year that I focused primarily on the casual investor program before I got moved to commercial, I closed 80-something loans in one year. That's amazing. On top of going to school and on top of COVID (laughs) and sickness. And so, yeah, like you've had a lot going on. So so that was, you know, when you see how many active customers and when you get them in this program and they start turning and they start getting to the second property and the third property, um, you know, you did something, you helped them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you did for sure. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm sure our listeners are going to enjoy Getting to know Dana over the airways, and she's just one of those people you need to meet in person. She's a ball of fire, and she's a lot of fun, and so you'll leave laughing, and you'll leave better because you got to interact with her. So um, connect with her online, connect with her through the socials, however you want to do it, but just connect. She's great, and um, if you want to invest in real estate like we've talked about over and over, if you want to buy a house or sell a house or move to Johnson City because it's one of the most beautiful places in the country, (laughs) connect with me. And I would love to help you or just answer a bunch of questions for you and do whatever I can. So thanks so much for listening and have an awesome day. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my pleasure.